we're all consumers. We all can have an opinion and experience what good client experience is. And so again, the more that you start to just use your own thing, I think is really the key to building that client empathy. Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Jessica Austin Barker. Jessica is the Chief Digital and Client Experience Officer of TIAA, a Fortune 150 company, which has $1.3 trillion in assets under management. She's been in role for roughly a year and a half, and in that role, Jessica drives TIAA's digital-first client experience. She has responsibilities that include product management, enterprise design, end-to-end capabilities, and enterprise analytics. I look forward to hearing more about how she and her team are driving each forward at TIAA. Prior to her current role, Jessica served for 22 years in roles of increasing responsibility at Intuit, concluding her tenure there as Vice President of Consumer Group Customer Experience, Intuit's senior most executive responsible for TurboTax customer success and retention. Jessica, welcome to Technovation. It's great to speak with you today. Thank you for having me. But first, a quick word from our partner, Cisco, and the company's Vice President and Chief Product Officer of its incubation engine, OutShift, Poppy Menon. Poppy wanted to share how he and his team are building solutions to help organizations secure their cloud infrastructures. Poppy, over to you. Within OutShift, we have a multi-cloud defense suite. Panoptica, the product that we are talking about, it's a full cloud-native application protection platform, and it works very well with other products in the Cisco security and observability portfolio, where insights from Panoptica are fed into those products and help inform your cloud-native security. One of the biggest advantages with the Panoptica product is this ability to visualize your attack path. For any enterprise operating at non-trivial scale, your cloud infrastructure will have thousands, if not tens of thousands of vulnerabilities. This is just going to be the way things are, but that's not actionable. When you have 10,000 vulnerabilities, you don't know what to do about them. What Panoptica allows you to do is to take that and distill it down and say, of the thousands of vulnerabilities that you have out there, which of them should you pay attention to because they form part of a credible attack path that can compromise one of your critical assets? It makes it actionable and we call it prioritize with precision. So it really helps you prioritize the things that matter based on the credible threat that they pose. And now on to the interview. Well, I would love to have you take a moment, if you would, and describe TIAA, certainly a brand I think most people who are watching or listening to this would be familiar with, but why don't you give an overview of the business if you would? Sure. Well, TIAA is about 100 years old. It was originally founded by Andrew Carnegie, really to help serve those who serve others with a focus originally on teachers and providing secure retirement for educators. You fast forward to today. Uh, we are the leaders in retirement in the nonprofit space, so academia, government, healthcare, and other nonprofit. That's a great overview. And talk a bit about your role, an unusual one uh, in terms of a title, Chief Digital and Client Experience Officer. I had a brief uh, thumbnail sketch of some of your responsibilities. Could you take a moment more and, and describe your role a bit? Let's call it multifaceted. One is certainly with a deep focus on advancing our digital experiences that given the world that we all live in and, and constant innovation and digital and that being on the forefront of client experience. But in addition, when you really think about it from a customer perspective, they experience companies in omni-channel way beyond just digital. So I also have a role to really look horizontally at how we are ensuring they're orchestrating a cohesive end-to-end -end client experience. And specifically, what is in my direct remit, if you will, um, as you mentioned, are areas such as design, product management, uh, enterprise analytics, and our advice. 
And and I know that uh, you focus on on developing a digital first client experience. Talk a bit about what that entails from your perspective. For us, um, we're really now a couple of years into our transformation, ensuring that we are covering all of the essentials, all the basics of what customers would expect to want to do with you and being able to do so in a self-serve manner um, so that, you know, there are no dead ends on some of the basics. You don't have to pick up the phone and call us if that is not what you want to do. But more importantly, really where we are headed is, of course, when you think about the the challenge that we have in, in helping bring retirement readiness to all, and you think about the old model and that being really something that was more um, the benefit of those who are privileged to be able to work directly with a wealth manager, a financial advisor, the opportunity that we have to scale education, help people become retirement ready through driving the actions that they need to drive to do so is where digital is really the unlock that we see in the future. It is happening now. So thinking about that opportunity to combine digital experiences with, of course, human experiences so that we can reach and drive towards our mission to secure retirement for millions of Americans. So not unlike how retailers and, and others, among others, think of that sort of an omni-channel approach. So this as weaving into the broader fabric of how customers might interact with CIA. Is that right? Exactly. Interesting. Well, thank you for that overview. Um, you and I spoke not too long ago about the fact that financial services is not historically customer obsessed like an Intuit where you uh, spend your prior tenure. And I wonder what you've drawn from that prior experience into this environment. What, what have you found that applies? Where have there been analogies that have been useful for you? Yeah, you know, thanks for the question. It's interesting. When, when I first started speaking to TIAA, one of the things that hit me right away is when you think about the retirement field and just the customer sort of challenge in that space with not being experts, it being very emotional in terms of thinking about retirement, thinking about retirement readiness and, you know, daunting, frankly, and the consequence is big. It's not unlike uh, a lot of the problem spaces that Intuit was working in with respect to taxes, bookkeeping, you know, a la QuickBooks, credit with Credit Karma, very kind of similar, in, if you will, complexity and then both the emotional relationship to it. So what I found to be the analog is being very similar is really the job to be done is how do you simplify the complex and how do you demonstrate and be the expert and guide people who are wanting to do better in these places? They know they need to, but the say do is very difficult if you're just overwhelmed by not having the expertise and the acumen and the confidence to really engage in the topic. So that's really, for me, um, what I see. And it starts with bringing client centricity to TIAA, a real focus on customer obsession, you know, to achieve our mission obsession, to secure retirement. Um, and then, of course, a lot of the, well, we can get into it, but a lot more to actually then execute against that. Several things you said there that I'd love to, to peel back the onion on. What, yeah. One of them is how you design products to simplify the complex. I love that way of framing things. And uh, talk a bit about how you bring that to life. Yeah, you know, at the core, of course, when you think about the language that we use, and this is why I'm a big believer in a design-led approach, um, when we say design, both, of course, what we think of sometimes as the interactive design, the interactive nature of the, the online, the digital experiences, but also the content, the actual language that we use as thinking about who the audience is. There, of course, is a range of different acumen when it comes to financial topics. So really having to think about when you're designing for customer experiences, you know, who is your audience in that moment? And by the way, we have in participants who are uh, the employees, right, and, and saving for the retirement. We also have 
plan sponsors, who are the companies that we're working with, you know, the, for example, institutions like an educator, uh, as well as consultants. And so we have different audiences. But if you think just about the consumer audience of participants, again, the, the range is very different of knowledge levels. So when I think about, you know, how we do that, it's both the ease of the design that we're creating, but really at the core, a lot of the content and how we help talk to people and how we advise them in terms that they can understand with what I would call progressive disclosure. So you're simplifying at the top with the ability to people go deeper, deeper, deeper as they feel the need and interest, not sort of overwhelming them at the forefront with how smart we are and how much we know. And then allowing them, of course, to have a bridge to a human because everybody has a different level of confidence in their own ability and a different point at which they feel like, okay, I really on this topic want to be able to connect to, to someone live who is an expert in this to, to move forward. Really interesting description there. You also talked about pivoting towards greater degrees of customer obsession. It's uh, one of those things that perhaps is easier said than done, actually moving the culture in that direction can be a bit more tricky. What have you done in order to uh, change the culture in that direction such that that becomes a reality? I'm really excited about some of the work underway here. You know, we have started doing several things, you know, starting with number one, it starts with obviously getting close to your customers face-to-face and not just consuming maybe research reports and what we've heard in the field. So we've actually been doing a lot of co-creation with our clients, meaning bringing them in to our physical locations and showing them concepts, working with them on concepts, um, but doing so face-to-face. Of course, we also leverage digital solutions to do that through different companies that are out there and ways that we can engage digitally as well. But really working on that co-creation is one example of what we're doing uh, with our clients. In addition, we are immersing ourselves in the client experience. So part of it is just, you know, the classic eating your own dog food and making sure that you are using, reviewing, always at the forefront, showing, not telling when we're talking about client experience, because that's what really builds, I think, the true empathy we're all consumers. We all can have an opinion and experience what good client experience is. And so again, the more that you start to just use your own thing, I think is really the key to building that client empathy along with as much as you can do to immerse yourself face-to-face to really get to true insights around what is standing in the way for, for customers, especially psychologically in our context to move through sort of the blockers to get involved in their retirement planning. I mentioned at the top, you also own enterprise analytics, and I'd love to understand the role that analytics plays in in delivering some of what you've described as well. Well, this one really excited me about this role because from my experience prior, you know, I think that such an amazing unlock to being able to innovate and create awesome client experiences has to do with the degree to which you empower designers, product managers, the team engineers working on that to get their hands in the data of what is actually happening and how customers are using your product, because the say-do is always a little different. So for example, now we have integrated in analytics with all of our different customer experience and journey teams. So take, for example, you know, one of the things we're working on is enrolling and onboarding, right? The first use experience for our participants when they're coming to consider their retirement options and getting going in the retirement plan. So we have now integrated in that team who's focused on that, our analytics team, and of course, then tagging and and wiring up everything that needs to happen to really understand how customers are engaging, be able to look at that in sort of sub-segments, be able to look at that longitudinally, not only what they do in digital, but then what they're going to do in our other channels so that ultimately 
you're getting the feedback you need on the client experience that you're trying to improve and seeing what are they doing that we then need to go improve upon, pivot around, learn more about. And it's extremely empowering and just to know how you're doing against the outcomes that you're working towards, but really what is the behavior? And then you marry that with all of the qualitative you know, research that we also do in parallel and the two together are where you really find the unlock. You know, it's, it's so interesting in all that you've described, you have such a, such a fascinating and broad purview, you know, as you've mentioned, and as I did at the outset, product management, design, analytics, capabilities. I wonder, can you talk a bit more about the team that you lead and the skills that they have? And additionally, if you don't mind the skills that you are growing versus, you know, those instances where it's required bringing in people from the outside as you once were, uh, who know what good look like in different environments. Part of what we're really working on is, of course, the complement of people that we have who have deep SME um, understanding, which is important, right? You need folks that really understand deeply the products and the space that we're in and financial services and insurance. But then complementing that with a balance of talent who has come from places who are deeply customer centric and or their experience is their, their service is their product. So deeply experienced in the ways of working and just the ability to really build amazing products, especially in the digital and even further out technology that's emerging. We've been, of course, embarking on both a set of things to do to ensure that we're upskilling and continuously helping people learn, whether that's about experimentation and what does it look like to develop a great learning plan, how to develop hypotheses, the right way to go and test and either validate or disprove those, how to understand what a leap of faith is. So, you know, those types of techniques, but also, um, of course, complementing the team with, with folks who have been doing that and can help us accelerate towards getting there faster at scale across TIAA. I think the other piece I would say is thinking about your question of future skills. Of course, you know, we're moving past the days of, well, we just need people who are good at mobile. That, that's been around for quite a while. Now we're thinking about, for example, in design areas that are emergent around service design, for example, which is really thinking about, if you will, the sort of front stage, backstage interplay between how you serve your clients. And so if you can imagine in our context, wealth, we have a wealth management business, you've got wealth advisors who are working with participants, but we also have to create experiences for those wealth advisors themselves to be able to, as associates, serve our participants well. So that's an example of where not unlike sort of Uber and thinking about the driver side, rider side, those things play together. And service design is a craft skill in design, in client experience that helps to really blueprint all of that out and really think about the interplay between the kind of two sides of the network, if you will. So in our context, you know, an analog could be that advisor and the participant. So I'm really excited about areas like that, that I think are going to be critical to helping us really delight our clients in the future. And as you noted at the top, yours is a very, not only a large scale organization, but a very diverse one in terms of the businesses you're in. And, and yours is one of those parts of the business that is a horizontal that cuts across those and in some ways applies the glue that brings the company together. Can you talk a bit about methods that you use in order to collaborate with such a diverse array of businesses to suss out where there are opportunities, maybe common opportunities where a single investment might be made to, to benefit multiple parts of the organization or other ways in which you're leveraging the broader expertise of the organization to do all that you do? Yeah, you know, we um, are definitely on a journey here. And I, I think from my experience, it starts again back with the customer because at the end of the day, we are all here to to drive for the outcomes for retirement readiness for our customers. And so I think if you reground there, 
you reground on what are the problems we are trying to solve for our customers, and then you ground on what are the outcomes that we are trying to drive on their behalf. I think fundamentally we're starting there because that really is shared. Like nobody can argue with, yeah, that that is why we are out here at the end of the day, regardless of our vertical, our, our function. And then we have really been working to elevate client health metrics, be really declarative about what those are, um, how are we measuring our client health? How are we doing relative to our competitors? And frankly, those who we aspirationally would like to, to be like when we think about what true client delight is. And infusing that as well as voice of customer in the organization. And that's really our foundation for trying to then drive sort of the why and the inspiration for why we should all then work horizontally together. Again, respecting that there's space for everybody, that the SME's perspective is extremely valuable. Everybody has a functional role, but the mission team construct of really aligning a horizontal group around a customer problem, around a shared set of outcomes and giving them the ownership and the empowerment in that area to drive that together and, and win together is, I think if you ask anybody what team they've loved working on and where they see that they made the biggest impact, it's typically when you're in that type of a structure, uh, you've got your SEAL team, you know, it's very clear what your mission is and you're able to advance that and, and win together. And um, that's what we're trying to achieve. Excellent. And you, you've alluded in your answer to one of the strategic pillars for the organization to delight our clients. And I wonder, how do you know when you're doing so? What are the ways in which you measure progress or lack thereof? Yeah, you know, we have various metrics that I was alluding to with client health, which are inclusive of industry metrics like net promoter score, um, which of course are broad based in nature. Um, we also, though, have more narrow, if you will, metrics around client satisfaction and various jobs that they're doing along the way, uh, which we call the customer effort score. But we are also, I'd say, working on developing um, the next set of metrics, which I think are more of the, I'll call them relational uh, versus maybe a little more transactional. So less on, you know, I think we've got our arms around ease and that's really important. But then you have to think about what I mentioned, which is the confidence piece. Because again, at the end of the day, we are the experts. We are wanting people to feel that we're guiding them. And I will say that is an area where we are working on developing stronger ways of measuring that confidence component. Because when you think about delight, at the end of the day, delight is about a feeling. Customers, ultimately, when you delight them, it's the surprise. It's the feeling that you invoke that is the delight. And so it's beyond just having simple you know, experiences that get the job done. It's the emotional piece on top of that. And so that's our aspiration. And certainly we're on that journey. I also wanted to ask you, Jessica, as you look to the future, what trends particularly excite you? Uh, what are some of the things that are making their way onto your, your roadmap that you would call out? Like many others, we're, we're working out ahead, uh, looking at technology innovation and how that could apply in our space. So of course, some of the um, generative AI things that we could leverage uh, when you particularly think about the fact that we're serving four to five generations with this retirement work that we're doing, uh, things you could think about with engagement in the metaverse and other areas that we, we imagine that the future is now and will be here more scaled before we know it. But I will say for us, a unique trend that we are really focused on because it's so important to our space is with respect to longevity. So over the last many decades, you know, lifespan longevity has nearly doubled. And the old metaphor of sort of retirement at, you know, plug in age 55, 60, kind of do your thing and then go live off your nest egg 
that is rapidly shifting and I think underpinning part of the challenge that we we face in America with being able to secure retirement for everyone. So for us, one of the big trends is really longevity and helping people understand longevity literacy and develop that literacy. Um, we see that when people understand better and can really consider the questions of longevity and the reality around probably living to 100, how that informs retirement and retirement readiness and specifically trying to shift the conversation from the nest egg metaphor of the past to understanding consumption and what will need to happen to live comfortably through retirement. So for me, that's a really interesting trend to, to really see what's happening, obviously, because of medical advancement with longevity trends and how that will impact retirement. Fascinating. Really appreciate you sharing those anecdotes, Jessica, and their application to your thought process and the even the sorts of products that you build. Um, I also wanted to ask you, if you don't mind, talk a little bit about the secrets to your own success, Jessica, as somebody who's risen to a role of consequence at a company of consequence. What have been some of the difference makers along the way for you that have aided your rise? I think about this often and, you know, you live your one life. So I grew up with a, a dad who was 17, uh, just raised by my dad. And thinking back, maybe one of my secrets to success is I'm very fortunate to have been raised in a setting where I was allowed to be myself and I was supported, I think, very ubiquitously kind of with anything that I want to do and only made to feel confident and just go out there and enjoy life and be open and see what comes your way. So I will say one thing is I never expected to be in this role. Uh, if you'd asked me 10 years ago, if I would ever work in sort of financial services when I was in tech, I would have told you no way, but here I am. So I'd say lesson one is just be open um, to what comes along and don't have a fixed position on this is my path and I shall never deviate because I think that would be very limiting. Lesson two, I would say is for me, I've experienced, I've enjoyed my roles the most and I've been able to make the greatest impact when I can be my authentic self at work. So the minute that I feel like I need to put a mask on is the minute that I say, you know what, this is probably not the right place for me. Um, so I'd encourage people to really find that that connection of what's your passion, but where you can also be you and, and lean into your strengths and find a way to make impact. It's much more enjoyable. Uh, and maybe lastly, I would say, figure out what your boundaries are. I think everyone has different boundaries in terms of the age-old question of work-life balance. I think everyone's got a different headset around that. And so I have probably had the longevity of career that I have because early on, I held true to some boundaries that I had. For example, when my children were young, I took a step back in career, actually, to be an individual contributor for a while when they were little. Um, many around me thought, what are you doing? You're ruining your career. Uh, but I felt, hey, this has to be true for me. I also want to have this time with, with my kids when they're little. And likewise, uh, went on to take a sabbatical years later at Intuit that did not exist. But I said, hey, I have been here a long time and I need a break. <laughs> I need to do this for my family. And I promise you, I will come back like ready to go. And sure enough, was there another six, seven years after that and got promoted right after I got back. So I will tell you, you know, figure out what your boundaries are that solve well for everybody's needs. And I think you can be a much more impactful leader and just, again, really be there because you want to be there, not because you have to be there in a role, which makes all the difference in the world. 
That's very inspiring, Jessica. Thank you so much for sharing that. Be open to what comes along rather than having sort of a fixed path, uh, finding your, your your areas of greatest impact and where you can be your authentic self, as well as uh, figuring out your boundaries and, and sort of living those based on your own priorities. I think it's great advice for anyone. And, and Jessica, thank you for a, a great conversation, more generally speaking, covering all the great work that you and your team uh, are doing at TIAA. It's been a great conversation. Thank you so much, Peter. I enjoyed it as well.